So anyway, I will be there at the Pagan Fest from 1 to 2 giving that talk. And uh, there's going to be lots of other good stuff going along, uh, going on at that uh, Pagan Fest. You should come uh, check out the big event if you're in the neighborhood. Uh, It's looking like a wonderful weekend affair with um, all sorts of activities, um, not even limited to uh, dances, dinners, vendors, speakers, scavenger hunts, and all sorts of delightful and creative activities. I think many of us are probably hoping that this may turn into the Southern uh, California um, uh, event like uh, PantheaCon is up in Northern California, and maybe this will be uh, the Southern version of that. So I wish the organizers well. I know what an incredible effort it is to put on something like this. And, you know, they've gotten a lot of great response. Uh, some of the big um, pagan publishers and even mainstream publishers uh, are supporting the event. Uh, they have, uh, yeah, they have, they have a lot of great hosts. So uh, this is not, you know, your small little dinky event. This is, uh, you know, this seems like this is going to turn out to be a pretty splendid affair. So that's the Pagan Fest uh, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Marriott Hotel in Burbank. And uh, as I said, uh, if you're looking for me, uh, my talk is from 1 to 2 in the designated meeting rooms. I also want to thank those of you uh, who attended my Power of Partnership talk at the Museum of Woman, which uh, was Sunday before last. Um, you might know I'm an official partnership practitioner with Rianne Eisler Center for Partnership Studies, and I gave the third in the series of four talks. This one was a Partnership with Your Local and Global Community. Uh, it is up on YouTube if you'd like to listen, uh, along with Parts 1 and Parts 2, so all three are there now on YouTube. Uh, Then coming the fourth Sunday in September, I'll be giving the final talk of the foursome, and this one will be Partnership with Source, Uh, Maybe you call it goddess, nature, uh, however you refer to the great she. uh, That will be also on YouTube for listeners outside the Southern California area. And uh, my husband is always kind enough to post those for me uh, because we know, uh, you know, people ask for them and uh, they, you know, they can't always drive to the Museum of Women. They're not, uh, you know, close to us here in Southern California. And this way uh, they don't miss out uh, because I know there are a lot of you across the country and across the globe who always say, how can I hear it? So just go to YouTube, uh, put in Karen Tate, um, Partnership, Power of Partnership, and they should pop up. If you have any problems at all, just pop me an email. And finally, uh, I am giving a talk October 2nd at the Pagan Pride Day event in Long Beach, California. I'll be talking about the Egyptian goddess Sekhmet as deity archetype and ideal. I'll get into the disinformation out there about her. uh, And also, more importantly, why she's such a relevant goddess today, uh, helping us set healthy boundaries and all the rest. So come out to Pagan Pride in Long Beach on October 2nd and hear all the great speakers and take part in the fun activities that they have planned for the day as well. 
Okay, well, it is about time uh, to turn our attention to uh, tonight's uh, interview, and I want to start by uh, telling you a little bit about Dr. Heidi Gottner Abendroth. I have her bio here, and I'd like to uh, tell you a bit about her and her accomplishments, and then we will uh, begin part two of our chat. Uh, She was born in Germany in 1941. She's a mother and grandmother. She earned her Ph.D. in philosophy of science at the University of Munich, where she taught for a decade from 73 to 83. She's published extensively on philosophy of science in addition to various books on matriarchal Uh, society and culture, and through her lifelong research on matriarchal societies uh, has become a founder of of modern matriarchal studies. In 86, uh, she uh, founded the International Academy Hagia for uh, Matriarchal Studies and Matriarchal Spirituality in Germany, and since then has been its director. She's also been visiting professor at the University of Montreal in Canada and the University of Innsbruck in Austria. She lectured extensively at home and abroad. In 2003, she organized and guided the First World Congress on Matriarchal Studies in Luxembourg. In 2005, the Second World Congress on Matriarchal Studies in San Marcos, Texas, and in 2011, a major conference on matriarchal politics in Switzerland. In 2005, she was elected by the International Initiative 1000 Peace uh, Women Across the Globe as a nominee for the Nobel Peace Prize. In 2012, she received an award for her scholarship at the Women and Mythology Conference in San Francisco. And if you want to know more about her work, uh, her websites uh, are uh, hagia.de, that's H-A-G-I-A dot D-E, or her name, Gautner Abendroth, G-O-E-T-T-N-E-R dash A-B-E-N-D-R-O-T-H dot D-E. So, um, Heidi, welcome to the show. Hello, Karen. So. I'm very glad and grateful to you for this second invitation to your show, and uh, I'm looking forward to what will happen. Uh, well, it is a pleasure to have you back. I so enjoyed uh, speaking with you the first time around, and uh, uh, well, that was actually our second talk. Uh, but uh, we had you, it was so obvious that we had so much more to say. Uh, I'm glad you uh, came back for this part two, uh, and especially since uh, you're having to be up there in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, we yeah. appreciate you making making that yeah. sacrifice yeah. of your sleep to um, you know help educate. Yeah and, you know, raise awareness mm-hmm. of listeners. So so thank you so much. Um, well, now, Heidi, and, you know, so, um, you know, just in case our listeners didn't catch part one or this idea of matriarchy is new to folks because, uh, you know, some people do find it confusing. You know, they hear the words matriarchal, matrilineal, matrifocal, all of those different words, and uh, maybe it's hard for them to keep it all straight. Uh, maybe we could start with just a short definition of what we're talking about when we say matriarchy. Yeah, I uh, I always choose the word uh, the term the term matriarchy. For you see um, the um, the word archy doesn't mean domination. It has two um, 
it has two meanings in in uh, Greek. One meaning means uh, domination, the other means beginning. And if you take it um, in this way, literally, then Meiji Archimedes means uh, mothers at the beginning, which is uh, quite different than the usual idea that matriarchies are just a reversal of patriarchy with women ruling over men. This is the old and usual misinterpretation of this term. In modern matriarchal studies, it looks quite different, and um, the basis of modern matriarchal studies are still existing um, societies of this type. So we have learned a lot what matriarchy really is. To put it very short, matriarchies are mother-centered societies with complementary equality between the genders and generations. There is no rule of one gender over the other. They are true gender egalitarian societies. That means they have no hierarchies, no classes, no domination of one gender over the other, as I just say. And um, how does it, how, how is it possible? You can um, see that uh, the societies are based on uh, consensus politics. This means they have to find, to make their decisions in a discussion where everybody has his or her say until they find unanimity to all their decisions. And if you imagine this, you will see that they, there are there cannot be any domination of one gender or a group over the others. They are true egalitarian societies. And um, this is due to their values. They are based on maternal values. This means caretaking, nurturing, motherliness, and peace building. This, these values hold for everybody in these societies, for mothers and those who are not mothers, for women and men alike. Okay. So this well, is now, Heidi, very short an for, idea about matriarchy societies. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it is uh, uh, it is an all-encompassing big subject, and uh, you know, for someone who hears the definition but thinks, okay, so but what does that really mean in everyday life? Um, maybe uh, can you think of just a couple examples how life would be different? Uh, in a practical sense, if those values and ideas you just described mm-hmm. were actually at the center of society rather than what we the domination we all experience today mm. yes, I can uh, give short ideas on the social level economic level, the political and the cultural level for example at the social level, matriarchy societies are based on the clan on communities. And they work uh, in their communities. They collaborate together in all the affairs. And what is very important, they are based on the symbolic order of the mother. Uh, in practice, this means they are based on matrilineality. They are, the clans are organized as a mother line, and the people live together in the clan houses, which is called matrilocality. And there they uh, collaborate and uh, share their goods and uh, make their consensus politics in the clan house. The same is true for the village or the town where they are living in. And so with these principles of matrilinearity and matrilocality, this puts mothers at the centers. And uh, 
in this way women guide their clans without ruling. They are the facilitators. The matriarch is not the ruler, but the facilitator of the clan and in all discussions and decision-making. And uh, in, on the economic level, they, they have subsistence economy. That means they live on the local on the local possibilities and the regional possibilities where their where their where these societies are situated, they have the independent economy. This is the ideal case, but today they are all in the, included in big national states, which which pretty exploit them. So they are not longer independent, but in their regions where where they are in their local local local. Um, Regions they even go on with subsistence economy, living from that what Mother Earth can give them in in their their um, in their local units, their local fields. But of course they are today they are not not longer completely independent, but they are much exploited. So Heidi, so Heidi, does that mean they they yeah. tend to be more uh, agricultural? Yes, the basis, uh, they have different bases. Most of them are agricultural societies and is, is complemented by fishing and by uh, trading. This is the basis in the regions where they are. Uh, it, okay. it depends. Mm-hmm, yeah, it depends okay. what the region can give to them. But ag- agriculture and gardening are the basic economy. Mm. Okay, and um, I all right. So you told us the so you know how it is how things would be briefly different socially and economic. Um, why don't you get into um, political and cultural? Yeah, political. They make their decision made. They they do their decision making together in a, in a creative discussion process. This starts in the clan house. And when they have reached unanimity or their decision about a problem, then it's okay. On the, in the village, they send delegates to the village council, and these delegates share the information what the different clan houses have found out about a special problem. And they, they don't take decisions. The decisions are always made in the clan houses where the people live. And also on the regional level, they send delegates to the regional councils to find find out what all the uh, the villages and towns and the clan houses in the whole region have found out about a special problem. So you have a, a system of councils which are interconnected to to make this decision making process. On, a, on the basis of consensus politics, and consensus politics is much more democratic than our formal democratics, democratic um, um, patterns are. This is very interesting, and they are very um, much experienced to do this, and they do it quite quite quickly. We think it might be very difficult, but they are they are very good in this field and uh, find out. And you, this is very important, this is a consensus politics, because this makes the societies a truly egalitarian one. And uh, in the cultural level, the, um, the mythology is always based on the um, sacred feminine, and their local um, regions like the lakes, mountains, and so on are their goddesses, mother goddesses, mountain goddesses, lake goddesses. 
So um, the, the sacred feminine and the mother of mother, the mother, uh, mother Earth and mother Lake and so on, these are their goddesses and they, uh, this, this, this religion which is based on their, the living ground where they are uh, is um, followed by them. Okay, okay. Um, yes, yes well, I, I would like to add. Mm, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. I would like to, to add. Um, of course, today they are, they, there's an overlay over many of them of Buddhism or Islam, but this is only an overlay uh, in in the when, when uh, in their true religion they still follow the old mythology and the old values because they regard the whole world as divine, as feminine divine. So they follow this and venerate. Their, their local um, region with lakes and mountains and and the different genders and generations they they honor each other and this overlay is only a formal overlay and they for, they, they follow these other religions formally but it has no much impact on their everyday life. I see. I see. Um, you know, I, it reminds me, you know, very much um, like when um, you, the people from Africa were abducted and taken to the south to work on plantations, and uh, they sort of had Christianity forced on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were actually still practicing uh, the religion of of their. Uh, yes, you right. know, of, of their mm-hmm. upbringing, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uh, underneath Continuous. that, uh, mm-hmm. the, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, underneath that thin layer of yeah. um, what appear to be uh, Christianity. I, I understand. It is the same as other religions. It is only a superficial layer, but they continue with their old beliefs in the in the sacred world. And everything and uh, nature and everybody and everything is sacred to them. So that these religions is all encompassing, but it's not a transcendent religion. Life and all life forces in the world are for them um, holy and sacred. So they continue with this. And sometimes they are labeled as Islam, like the Minangkabau, or Buddhist, like the Mosul, but it's only a superficial view from outside. When you I look see. closer, than, when you look closer, as an example you just gave from the Africans, which continue uh, in uh, in uh, or in South <coughs> South America, the indigenous peoples are officially Christian, but they can also continue with their old old nature religion. Absolutely. Okay. And if you had to um, guess, you know, uh, and, and I don't know, maybe you know, or maybe it's impossible to know, um, how how many people do you think on the globe today um, are fortunate enough to live in these egalitarian type societies? Today they are only only few and according to my research which we have them in north and south america and africa and in asia but uh, if you um, would um, this full um, idea of matriarchal societies and characteristics i just gave to you these are not more than than 20 or 30 not more but um, when you um, think of matriarchal elements, 
um, then then we have a lot of them, then we have hundreds of them. What I just gave, the idea of a matriarchal society is on all these levels, they fulfill these characteristics on all these levels, as I said before, only few. But these um, elements, matriarchal elements, are in many, many societies uh, everywhere. Even in our history, you have lots of matriarchal elements beneath the patriarchal layer which was uh, set over them. So, so it's it's not so uh, alien to uh, to to us. Oh well, um, maybe you can give some examples of that where it's actually being implemented, but maybe we don't realize that they are, uh, you know, that it, that it's been cherry picked or borrowed from uh, matriarchal society. Would you be able to do that? Uh, you you mean some examples of matriarchal societies of today, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where yeah, yeah. where? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I can give some some names. You see, they are not only very small communities. In the, the Minangkabau in Sumatra is six million people, and they live in, in their countryside doing the agriculture, and they live in towns. This is a very interesting example of Asia. And another example of Asia are the Mozo, um, the people in southwestern China, close to the Tibetan border, where I did field work for for some time. They they live there in the mountainous region and uh, have and still cling to these um, characteristics as I just gave it to to you. In in North America, the, the um, Iroquois Iroquois are very famous. They have been researched already 200 years ago. Today, they, their traditions and their culture have been destroyed, but uh, their, their society has been observed um, by uh, Henry Louis Morgans and other people, other researchers and ethnologists who have been there. So we have lots of reports about their classical matriarchal societies. And in Africa, when you go to West Africa, speci- especially to Ghana, there are the Akan people, a group of peeps, of different peoples, who have also these patterns, even if by um, slave trade and, and, and so on, um, much of their culture has been destroyed too. But uh, they also, also have been described by ethnologists and uh, even have a lot of these patterns still today. Western Africa is very rich in this respect, West Africa. I'm I'm wondering I mean I know you've spent uh an awful lot of time uh researching this and uh establishing um you know that that these societies existed that they still exist um but how hard uh would it be, uh, or, or maybe not as hard as I think, but, you know, uh, what do you think the likelihood uh, of, of us being able to adopt uh, more of these ideas into the mainstream world? I mean, how how could we implement some of these ideas, and uh, are there examples of any countries that are actually doing it? Yes, I think um, this uh, research on matriarch societies is very important and interesting to us because we can learn from them a lot uh, on these different levels of society. We can learn a lot of them. We are living in a patriarch society with much suppression and exploitation and uh, 
if we want to leave patriarchy, I think these matriarch societies can be can can give us some interesting guidelines how to change our life life ways and how to change society. Um, um, I can give some some ideas on the social level at first, and then we can continue on the uh, how it is in the econom economic realm and the cultural realm. Is it all right? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Please do. Yes. As you see, in, on the social level, we are living today in a, in an increasing fragmentation of societies. The uh, families broke up, clans broke up, families broke up, and t today even even the nuclear family is breaking down. And people live so many people live in loneliness. And uh, but we are social beings. We are not. Uh, it's not our um, our way to live lonely and. Uh, uh, so I think uh, for separation and loneliness renders so many people sick and destructive. It's, it's, it's a huge difficulty in our societies, which care so little for, for social well-being. So I think we can learn from matriarch societies to form um, communities again. Of course, we cannot go back to um, to a community or clans which are related in, in, in which are where the people are related in blood relationship this is um, i think this is historically passé but um, many people today form um, intentional or affinity communities because they, they want to live together and to share um, life together and these intentional communities they have a great variety. There is a great variety of possibilities. This can be communes where people really live together, or it can be alliances of neighbors, neighboring communities, or even networks is a new way of forming community, intentional community, where people come together, not... Um, where people come together by by spiritual and intellectual common ground. This is a new and modern way to form clans, which I like to call symbolic clans. But what is a matriarchal point in this is when these communities and affinity groups are initiated, supported, and led by women. I think this is a determining criteria and the determining criteria are the needs of women and children and not the power and virility plays of men which we have everywhere. The new matri clans will, will men integrate fully, but according to the matriarchal values I just um, I gave at the beginning, it's a different value system which brings people together. That is the values of this, these communities, affinity and intentional communities, are based on reciprocal care and love and not on power. This is an idea, and uh, yeah. Well, and I'm wondering, um, I mean, you know, we've had these kinds of conversations with, uh, you know, in our own local communities, you know, small groups of people. You know, we've talked about intentional communities and, you know, how can we create something for the future. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a big undertaking. And I guess I yes, wonder, do you, yeah. do, do, do you think it's, it's possible to have – 
uh, a matriarchal-like intentional community, you know, practicing some of the values that you talked about, but yet still living uh, in an, you know, in a patriarchy. Yes, it's possible. Because people don't wait until patriarchy is over, then we, we could wait very, very long. They, they simply start from below and found these communities. It's not so, so uh, far away, for we have an international um, um, movement of uh, communities. This is a community movement which is very strong in Europe, and you have it also in the U.S., and we have it in many, many countries of the world. And these people have the courage to try to live together in bigger groups and to, to, to learn how to have these community values again and, and the sharing of ideas and the sharing of everyday life. I think they are really courageous because we are not accustomed to this. And they, again, train community values. And... Um, these these communities have, have many different kinds. Of course, they are Christians and they are um, alternative and and so on and so and ecological and so on. But I think in the same way, matriarchal communities could be founded again. And as I just said, it's important that women start start with them. For you see the. Um, Difficulties is for women with children, especially for women, for mothers who um, uh, are lonely and have to care for the children and to work. It's immense. They have immense difficulties. For them, it is. It would be a great, great um, step to live together in a community, to care for the children communal, and to have also elderly women who is, are experienced in this field and they help each other. And then they yes. can integrate the men and lovers, the, the lovers or brothers or what, what they want. But the values are set by the women. It's not so far away. I, I even know a community in Germany who tries to in, implement matriarchal values. And I know one in Colombia, in South America. It's a women's, it's a women's village where the women do these affairs and they, they make their decision-taking and they... They guide their communities. This is very important that women do this and not men. For in most communities of today, men have, have founded them and men give, men give the guidelines. They do a, do a lot of interesting things, these communities. I know some of them. But the traditional role model is not overcome if men are again uh, set, set that sets the agenda and the guidelines. So it's very right. important that women do this, that women do this who have a matriarchal consciousness. This is very important, I think. Yeah, then, I, then I some, believe... Yeah, okay. Right. Um, no, no, finish, please. I think then, then it can start that they form symbolic clans which follow... Uh, which follow the idea of mothers at the centers. Mother and children are the future of each society and each community. So they are the, the, the um, they are the most important part of each community. And men who are open to to um, support a community and give their life affirming potency in, they are very welcome to these communities. And as I as I said. I know one in Germany who tried to live in that way. Oh, there's also another one in uh, 
in Spain who does it, and, and this women's village in Colombia called Mashira, where, where women build the houses on their own and live there with their families and their chosen men. But in the whole community, women have the decisions in their hands, which is important there. I asked yeah. the... I asked them, why you do, do you not include men in their decisions? This is a special way. They say, oh, for a special time, we women decide alone. For when men come in and decide with us, then they take over. They will take over. <laughs> they will take over. <laughs> they will yeah. take over. Yeah. So men also have to learn how to live in a community where women set the values and set their gender. So it's a learning process for both genders which goes very deep, yeah, because all these traditional role models has to be changed. True, because even for the women, the women uh, have no real role models for themselves, um, just as the men uh, have to relearn how they fit into this uh, society as well. So everyone is really on a learning curve. Um, yes, that's I, right. I was going to... I was going to mention that I saw uh, in social media that there, uh, this might be on a smaller scale than what you're referring to, but there were some women who were starting a house, I believe in Paris, and I want to say they called it the Baba Yaga house. Yeah, uh, but it, 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 mm-hmm. I I believe it's just for, uh, for, and this is for older women, so that they can more or less create their own type of intentional community uh, where, you know, as you said, you know, they can, um, you know, share, uh, you know, share the responsibilities. I think it was a woman-only space. And, uh, you know, so that they they have support, uh, you know, rather than, like you said, being... Uh, being alone, um, and and I think yeah, so, today yeah. mm-hmm. uh, uh, so many of us, um, it, you know, it's 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 a different mindset to uh, think about the we and the us. Um, I think most of us tend to be a lot more individualistic, and um, you know, I think it maybe takes a little bit of adjustment when you have to start thinking about the whole and thinking about the group uh, yeah, rather than just yourself. Yeah, rather than just yourself. But, but yeah, yeah, that's quite different. That, mm-hmm. But but that's sort of what mothers do anyway, though, don't they? When yes. Because they usually yes. put their family first. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. I think uh, women, and especially mothers, have their um, a lot of qualities which are not respected in our society, especially uh, community building, what, what they do every day in their family. And uh, this way of discussing together and bringing a decision together, uh, together which everybody can um, can accept this do do women in families often on the everyday level so uh, so i think women are really especially mothers are have a lot of qualities which um, they can bring into these communities and and you just mentioned a community of elderly women we have this also in germany and uh, everywhere 
um, but so I think these communities, the people who want to to form a community, decide completely on their own which is the shape and kind of this community. There can be mixed communities with families included, uh, even nuclear family included in a community, which is the bigger frame, the community. So the the small um, limit, the limits of the nuclear family families is uh, overcome. Or you can have an all women's community, and and uh, all kinds. Or you can have a na- neighborhood com- community, and so on. This is the decision of the people who form these groups. And as you just said, the very important um, learning process is how to to think of the community and how to think how to support everybody in the community, and not to think only about one's own. Ego and one's own individualistic presentation and career and competition and so on. All these patriarchal values are step by are dropped step gradually, step by step. And thinking of the community and collaborating with everybody is just the concrete example of these maternal values I mentioned at the beginning: caretaking and nurturing everybody and. Uh, Peace building. Peace building is not right. so easy. Quarrel is very easy. But what are the patterns of peace building? People can experiment and learn this by building communities. And this process is uh, what's very good. It's going on. It's only hidden under this domination, under this dominant culture. But this process is going on everywhere in many countries by this community yeah. movement. Well, and what you're making me think about, you know, uh, a little bit different, but it seems like it's a parallel track, so to speak. Uh, Next week uh, on the show, uh, Genevieve Vaughn is going to be back, and uh, our topic is, you know, shifting the paradigm to a gift economy, which she thinks, uh, she describes that as a maternal alternative to capitalism. Um, Now, I'll be honest, I don't totally understand exactly how it works and I'll ask her to um, you know be specific but that might be I, I mean do you consider that in alignment with the kind of thinking that um, uh, you know one of these you know these um, uh, matriarchal societies might that be something they would adopt Yes, you see, um, in the, the traditional matriarch societies, always um, uh, are based on a gift economy. In, in the clan, it's, it's a matter of course, but also in village and town, they do it. For when a clan is, is better off than another one by a, a good harvest or a good trade, in, in their many festivals, they, they practices give away rituals where everybody has its share of the goods of the community. So they have a very balanced economy. And this is really based on gift-giving, not as a sentimental practice, but as a real um, economic practice to bring about a balanced economy where everybody has its share and you have no gap between rich and poor. But they look, and this is also a maternal value, they look that everybody has its share, so they give away their goods, their, their goods they have more than, than, than they need. And uh, Genevieve Vaughan describes it as a gift economy, which is true. And uh, I think 
when when we have communities of today of of modern communities within these communities people do the same they often have a, co- a common um, um they share the money they bring it into a com- community um, um box <laughs> i don't know what's the word in it. yes they have they share, they put the money together and share it to to support the community and everybody in this community they make experiments with this um sharing the money and sharing the capacities of everybody and this this is also a practice they learn on the economic level this gift economy this sharing economy this so is one point Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me ask Sorry. you a question about that, and and I don't and I'm you know I don't mean to be pessimistic, but how in this type of scenario um, where you know it's kind of like um, you know the good of you know the good of the group, um, how how does the group um, handle say the lazy slackers? You know, the ones that want to sort of just ride on the coattails of the people doing the work. I, I mean, is yeah. I, I mean that's just sort of human nature. I suppose they must have built-in ways of dealing with that, right? Yes, I think there are different ways. I cannot tell about the modern intentional communities how they do this. They have, I think, they have different strategies to to go on or at the. the the extreme one is that this member of community has to leave the community, but in traditional societies they do it in a different way. Um, they have so many um, different um, possibilities to act and to help and to support the community. So, if one uh, doesn't like to do, for example, agriculture, then this person can do something else. Something di- has, will have a different task. And mm-hmm. if we if we study this, how they manage, even if yet they have um, disabled persons in their society, they have a task for these people too. Maybe they are very good with the children and so on. I think we can learn how they manage this. We can learn this for new intentional community, not simply to exclude such a member, but to ask him or her, what what does it, what uh, what do you love or what do you like to do, and invent a new task for this person, which he or she really likes to do. And so, laziness is very relative in this uh, from this perspective. But okay. the gift economy and lazy person is not the only point with. Um, with matriarchal economy, in the, uh, which we can learn, what is very important that it is based on subsistence economy. The subsistence economy means really to to live from the local and regional possibilities where you are staying. The subsistence perspective is is some kind of economic independence as far as possible in our modern society, as far as possible. But we have movements who try to do this. I think um, we have such a big variety of ecological movements who try to do subsistence economy in uh, with um, with uh, gardening and uh, having taking only from the region the goods from the region and not taking the goods from Australia and Africa and so on. 
to really to care for Mother Earth and take only the goods what she is giving in the local or regional um, uh, local or regional um, the regions. We have the movements of urban gardening. We have this. We have movement at the gift economy movement in many many circles who tried. We have movements for regional currency also. These are also all. All of them are experiments to try to go on with the regional goods and to and, 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 and have and, and to to to, um, to develop a subsistence economy which is regional and local. And this, I think these economic experiments experiments are very important. Not only the gift giving; they are very important for people learn to live not only among each other and sharing, but also to live on the goods Mother Earth can give in their regional in their region. Right, right. So, the so in other words, economy is very important. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is, you know, people would uh, make their living. Um, doing something that was unique to their environment. So if they're, you know, if they're in a fishing village, well, maybe fishing is how the how the clan yes. makes yes. their their living. Um, mm-hmm. As a, or you know, maybe they don't have great natural resources, so maybe they uh, create textiles or something like for, that. For example, you know, for example, yes. Mm-hmm. And this will bring up a very great variety and diversity of local cultures, not such an, uh, a culture or civilization which is managed from above and everybody has the same, all is, is, is uniform. In this, the, the subsistence economy, it's uh, ecological in the true sense, and you can, and then this local diversity of cultures is created, which, which I think is, can be very rich. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, I would imagine that uh, there is resistance. Uh, I mean, these new ideas, they probably meet with a lot of resistance. Um, and of and I guess I'm – because it's it's a threat. I mean, it's a threat to capitalism. Yes, it it's a threat to mm-hmm. It's a threat to globalization. It's a threat to yes, multinational corporations mm-hmm. that don't don't want yes. local people to be able to uh, – I mean, oftentimes they come in and uh, destroy uh, indigenous people's way of life and the way they – uh, support themselves, you know, by I don't know, taking over the water or taking over the natural resources. Yes, that's right. It's uh, just the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like this is uh, the exact opposite of what we see um, as as the world shrinks in globalization. Instead, mm-hmm. uh, this is more of a patchwork. Uh, you know, it, it, it feels like mm-hmm. it's more of a patchwork quilt. You know, then yes, um, it is. It is. It's a very good, very good uh, picture. It's a patchwork quilt which, which uh, develops from below, for um, the um, large-scale industry and the transnational corporations always create new ideas to make us more and more dependent on their monopolies and their, on, their, on their monopolized uh, things. They try to monopolize all. Now they're about to monopolize water, earth, and, and so on and so on. But these ideas with the communities, it, it, it is like a patchwork which grows from below and um, 
it's a more if people take steps to become more and more independent they take this power away from the they take their own power away from this um, transnational corporations all these big endeavors which try to make them more and more dependent i know yeah. it's not 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 simple to to implement this but we cannot start from above from above there is not possible there are the big the big business and military and all these big complexes, but people start from below. And in the diverse movement, we see that they start from below, and these movies are not weak. When you look internationally, they are not weak. They are many, many, and they are intertwined. And I think it's one of the most important um, things that these movements uh, interconnect more and more and collaborate more and more. They, they uh, are yes, I, in our culture, so we don't know how many they are, but there's a lot of people who are active in these fields. Well, and, and I'm thinking now um, that uh, I believe I interviewed someone or I was speaking to someone about something in the United States that is gaining popularity called, uh, I think, transition towns. And yes, I yes. think also, think mm-hmm. think they are they, they these are along the lines of uh, of what mm-hmm. you're discussing. So um, yes, that might right. be uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that might be you something. See, people don't wait. Uh, sorry, sorry. People don't wait until the government or the big business gives them the things. It's, it's in vain to wait for these big domination. Uh, um, Domin- the big dominators. They don't give people take it in their own hands. Transition Town is a wonderful example for this. I, I forgot to mention it. And, and urban gardening is an, an example for this. And all these communities we have on in the in the countryside who do their own subsistence economy, they get a little bit more independent from the the big business than business. Than, than we have been before, and these people are really many. And when this patchwork will patchwork will grow, and I think it will grow, because the um, we are uh, the um, it will grow. Then, then what we we think is a matriarchal society will start with this patchwork from below, step by step, in small units. Yeah. And these, these small units are. Um, interconnecting more and more. We have the technical means for this interconnection. There's no problem. You see, and right. it, it must come, it must come for further increase of our way of life, our usual way of life, and further increase of military and large-scale industry and, 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 and expanding of war and so on, and our so-called standard of living is not possible consider, when we consider the danger of the complete destruction of our biosphere. So uh, our, our simple living conditions, the biosphere, Mother Earth, will force us to live in a different way. And I think these com- community movements and all these movements we mentioned here uh, the pi- do pioneering work for a new society because we can't go on with this type of society we are, we, we are having today. 
Well, and and um, yeah, and, and 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 you know when you and I and you're talking about these grassroots movements, um, yes. uh, you know, all all around the world, and you know, and and I'm thinking, you know, just here in Venice, the city that I live in, um, you know, I didn't really think about it before, but now that we're having this conversation, um, you said you talked about urban gardening. I've noticed in uh, you know you, you might have six or eight blocks where uh, they have literally taken the sidewalk and created uh, a garden where, you know, they maybe have a, you know, a two-foot by six-foot um, wooden container that they've, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've made a, a, you know, a, a big pot out of, basically. They've filled it with yes, soil and people, people, mm, yes, yeah, people are, are mm-hmm. they're, they're growing uh, you know they're growing things to eat they there. Growing parts, uh, parts of their own food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Let me bring in the, the last idea. For the time is running out. I want to to look again at women's situation, and um, which is very important that we always. Um, look at women and put them at the center of our reflections, especially mothers. You see, in every, I think, to implement more, the movements are here, but the problem of most of these movements are they are poor, and they do not know how to to bring their communities and their their um, creations in front of to 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 give them a good give them a good ground for. Most of them have a lack of money, so money plays a role. It plays a role in the in the transition we are in, and so I think. And women, especially women's creations and foundations, are especially poor. Women are always uh, lack of money, so many of these community break down because because they don't have money or they they are too poor to 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 continue in this way. So I think we we must we must have a special um, uh, the, uh, the 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 wealth wealth the national wealth of our states should be um, distributed in a completely different way than it is today. Um, women do a lot of work in each uh, national state. They do uh, paid work. They do very bad paid work. They do uh, motherly work, work which is not paid, and they do a lot of love work and care work, which is never seen and never honoured. So, I think we have we must demand that 50% of the of the national wealth has to go to women, and 50% is left for the men. Today we have the situation that the current horrendous that a horrendous flow of money goes into male projects like military and the multinational corporations and in monumental ego architecture and sports stadiums which cost hundreds of millions of dollars and nothing is left but a pitifully small amount for social services and for women and mothers and so on, because still the states expect that women provide all this this for free. This is usual exploitation. And I think when this demand is brought through, that 50% goes to women, not individuals, but it goes to women's projects and women's creations, for example, for matriarchal 
subsistence communities, then you would see that these communities and other women's projects like like women's publishing houses, women's women's education and women's social service and so on, then you will I think you will um, experience that it, it grows very very quickly, because the basis the um, money and uh, is here and these communities are not so poor as, as they are still today women today women are made in this national state into, into beggars they have to always to beg for state aid for all their projects and what they want to do and this money that is given is is is, is, is so scanty everywhere that they can't go go on very long in this way so right. we have to change this completely for the picture is so wrong, so one-sided wrong. And there starts, I think, with this share, of 50% share of the national values, women can start with all these ideas which we just mentioned and can implement them very quickly, and I think they will do. So well, you know, the idea. Well, you know, what you're talking about, um, I've heard Rianne Eisler talk about as well. You know, she calls it uh, caring economics, and she says the very same thing you just said, that, you know, so much of the work that women do is not paid or it, uh, you know, it, it's it's basically free labor that society benefits from. And, you know, women end up without Social Security or, you know, anything, yeah. uh, you know, nothing in return for the labor. Uh, so yeah, so we and, and even um, she's recommended that we have diff- different social indicators to uh, measure our wealth because measuring wealth uh, just on the uh, gross domestic product or GDP is not a real indicator uh, of, of of wealth. It's only um, you know it's only yes, a, right. a snapshot. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, if we go. Mm-hmm. If well, we go it, it, on with this, you know, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. you go. No, you it, see, um, this equal share of money is not only for um, for uh, special individual um, things, but it is really for this. What you meant with a perpetual quilt. This will not remain a patchwork quilt when women would have their equal share of this state's wealth. Then. Uh, then uh, the matriarchal perspective will grow very quickly, and and I think we don't have any longer only a patchwork of communities which notoriously are too poor, but we will have. Then you can change it, and this way of forming subsistence economy and matriarchal community will 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 become the dominant culture, and not only the alternative poor people which can be neglected by the dominating class. This is a way to change the whole picture. Yes, yes, it is, and, and 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 but then that that's now you're talking not just grassroots, but you're talking political, and you know yes. that means you know putting mm-hmm. putting people in office that would educate about these things, support these sorts mm-hmm. of things, and uh, that would ultimately uh, be the goal because we have to mm-hmm. have you know people who control our tax dollars uh not allowing our tax dollars to go to the to the military or to corporations instead yes. you know use yes. it use it for um you know mm-hmm. use it for the people instead of yes. um 
you yes, know the, these right. multinational corporations. So, yes, right. uh, so, so yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's all different ways to go about this. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I mean, yeah. it can be you can go about it from the grassroots, but also, yeah. um, you know, c- create movements just like political movements or yeah, social yeah. movements yeah. or yes, or, yes, or yes. Uh, environmental movements. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is. Uh, you are right. These are um, the way on 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 both levels. The grassroots movements at the same time it, it comes from below, and at the same time, when when this equal share for women of the national wealth is uh, would be implemented, we need of course um, um, institutions who care for this. But today, in every level of society, there are women active. Of course, many of them are very much have much adopted to patriarchal patterns, but anyway, women have this they, they have the competence they have the capacity they are everywhere on political levels from from top till till through all the levels still down and so when this political idea would would be brought through by women, then women are also the controllers that it really goes the equal share of money goes to women and women 's projects. So it comes from from top down and from from the grassroots. If you want to change a whole society, you need both move both um, both ways from below yes. in the grassroots movement and from top down from from women who collaborate with this idea and change from top down the, the situation. So I think. So so Heidi, yeah. you've been at this. You've been it's at a this vision, a while. I know, but but we are on the way. <laughs> Yes, well, well, that that was that was my next question. I mean, you have been dedicated to this, and you have been educating people about it, and you know, for a long time now. Um, is you know, are you seeing any any change out there? You know, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I realize like with Rianne Eisler too. I mean, this is something she's been talking about mm-hmm. for decades as yeah, well. I mean, right. these things don't happen mm-hmm. overnight. These are these these things grow slowly but is there yes. hope out there on the horizon or are you seeing any political movements or anything happening besides these um you know these these pockets of people that you mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. described earlier mm-hmm. in the show yeah this is right uh, today these are pockets or the quilt as you called it so so nicely but um we have uh, several movements uh, which are really um, discussed in um, on a broad scale like like um, how do you call this in english um, um this um, we have discussions which even reach the parliamentarian level about a different distribution of money uh, okay the, um, the Grund, I don't know the English word for the um, bedingungsloses Grundeinkommen. There is a discussion about giving everybody a share of uh, basic uh, uh, basic income. I don't know mm-hmm. the yes. English. Do, do you understand what I mean? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. yes that, you that, see, that's and this good discussion enough. also. This discussion is not only in a pocket. It's it's a discussion which reaches reach, reach, reaches even parliamentarians and is discussed, discussed there. So I think the idea that we have to change also our money economy, uh, going away from this capitalist money model which is so destructive all over the world. 
this is uh, on the way and not only in pockets. So why we should not bring in the idea that we have to to uh, share the wealth, the national wealth equally between the genders? As I said, 50% for women and their projects and 50% left for men and their projects. So why not bring this in? The discussions is the discussion today. Discussions go quickly because we have internet and all this um, technical facility to bring discussions very quickly to many people and also to the uh, to the politician polit- political polit- politicians on the on the top levels. So I I really have hope that things can be changed. The point is that women have to bring it through and to claim it loudly and on a matriarchal basis. For what is matriarchy is based, as I said before, the mothers are at the center. This is nothing new. Mothers are always at the center of society and do their work for the, for the coming, for the coming um, generations. Mother brings the future of each society, but it is, it's neglected, it's not seen. It is seen as, is it, as it, it makes me invisible. When we make this visible again, it changes the whole picture. And uh, and uh, all this what what I brought in as ideas is following this idea that the mothers are at the center for they bring with the children the future of each society. So we have an um, there is a matriarchal uh, inner idea which is always there, which we have not to take from from traditional societies outside. Of course, they can give us ideas for for changing the patterns. But that mothers give mothers give the future of each society by with bringing the children, also fathers who are, are giving their share. This is so important to see and not to make it invisible more and more. So matriarch is always there, I would say. Yes, <laughs> it's a yes, change of our consciousness, but it's always there. We only have yes. to change our view. It's a completely change of our viewpoint, then we will see that. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, uh, Heidi, you know, uh, I, I don't know, I, I feel like after what we've gone through here in the United States with this great awakening, thanks to Bernie Sanders, you know, Bernie Sanders has a, yeah. awakened, um, you know, a, a movement, I, I, I hope, that right. continues to grow here in the United States, but people are finally, I think, starting to realize uh, the domination and exploitation that they're yeah. living under and that it's going to yeah. be up to them to do something if they want a better quality of life. So it, it mm-hmm. feels like there's a there's a breeding ground for mm-hmm. these, these new ways of thinking now uh, because people yeah. are looking for new normals. You know, people are looking for for alternatives uh, to this predator capitalism and this, uh, uh, you know, that that uh, that so many are suffering from. I mean, look at the austerity uh, in in you know in in Europe and I mean in the uh, income disparity, you know, um, all over. I mean, uh, shoot, I, I'm surprised people aren't marching in the streets um, around the world. Quite frankly, yes. um, yes. so. so so maybe the time is coming uh, for these. The time is right, I think. 
yeah, the time is ripe, and these That's are right. old ideas, uh, you know, old mm-hmm. ideas that can be, you know, made new again. Um, so with, with that, yeah. with that, uh, with, with that final thought, um, are there any plans yeah. Yeah. for any, mm-hmm. any, uh, you know, conferences or any future world congresses on yeah. matriarchal I, studies? Uh, let me just uh, add a short uh, remark. For example, with Bernie Sanders, all these problems are not only pocket problems, and the discussion is not only a pocket discussion. It's not now a discussion which um, which um, is uh, active in the whole society. It's a very good example. It's not only a pocket thinking now any longer, just as you said. And the problems are increasing, and when the problems increasing more and more war and more refugees and and more uh, more money with with a few rich ones and um, and so on and so on the more these problems grow the more these other ideas and other experiments are growing too this is the hope i i this is what i see and this is the hope i really have okay. yeah you asked me for 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 upcoming conferences on matriarchal uh, I have. I'm not planning conferences at the moment, but I'm uh, giving talks uh, wherever possible, uh, here at home and and abroad, and uh, I am announcing it in uh, on my website where I am speaking uh, at different uh, uh, at different opportunities. So, if you want to be informed, please check the website it's also in english and uh, so it's easy that you can be can see um, what we are doing here from the academy hagia Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Um, well, um, as we sort of bring this to a close, uh, is there anything you'd like to mention that maybe I haven't thought to ask you? Oh, at the moment, uh, I think we, we talked about uh, about different uh, things, about diverse things. No, at the moment, I don't have uh, another idea. Uh, thank you for this okay. fine interview. You ask me a lot, and I try to answer as good as I can. Oh, you've done wonderful. You've, you've, you know, you've, you've, you've done a wonderful job. Thank you. And, and you know, listeners, uh, and I mean, and, and especially when you consider, you know, English is not your first language. You've done an excellent job. And I'm, and oh, I'm sure so everyone... Much. I, I'm sure everyone under, understood and uh, understood you perfectly. Um, well, Heidi, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you um, staying up uh, at this, you know, early hour or late oh. hour, however you want to oh, look at welcome. it. Oh, you're welcome. I like and, to do it for, for you and the audience. It's really a wonderful thing. I only want to mention all these ideas together. We call matriarchal politics, and this is really is a visionary way to bring these ideas, and they belong together. These ideas It's a complex idea, and uh, yeah, matriarchal politics is aimed to change this patriarchy into a new uh, egalitarian and life-sustaining and mother-centered uh, society, which we call a modern matriarchy. It is possible because it's already on the way. I, you know, I like that. I like that uh, that term, matriarchal politics. Um, and because, you know, I think about it, you know, it's something we've been talking about for a long time. And, you know, I've sort of referred to it as, you know, eco-feminist. Uh, but it's also, uh, but but it's also, you know, uh, you know, matriarchal politics as well. I mean, I think it all fits yeah. hand in hand, yes, it doesn't is. it? 
these yes. all these movements have uh, elements of matriarchal politics, as I just mentioned. But the whole picture together, the whole vision, this is matriarchal politics. For you see, uh, ecofeminism um, very often um, forget the role, the very important role of the mothers. The mothers are at True. the center. This is this is new and this is special for this matriarchal politics. And from the mother and the maternal values, the whole society can be seen in a different way and can be changed. Take the and, role and of the know, mother at the center, and yeah, and then you have it, well, a it, different picture. It, 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 Mm-hmm. Well, and also, too, you know, it's probably important to say that maybe uh, for some feminists, uh, they have fought so hard to um, uh, not be seen in a motherly role that they yes, almost right. resist, you know, they, they yes. resist going yes. back to that because they feel but like that's not going back. It is not going back. Sorry. It's not a going back. Because we all live from motherly work, otherwise we would not be here. So true, it, it is. It is always at the center, but it's make invisible. It's despised. Mothers are exploited, and so on. And what is very interesting in matriarch society is not every woman must be a mother, but is respected as a motherly person. Um, they, they they share the children, sisters share the children, and in new communities also possible. Some have the children, some not, and so on. But all have this maternal value, values and motherly attitudes. This is important. And motherly attitudes can also have men, everybody. Yes, this yes, and I completely... Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, I completely agree with you, and I think the people that uh, I'm talking about that resist um, mm. characterizing um, what we're talking about in the, in the mother terms, because, uh, you know, they mistakenly uh, feel like it is um, somehow hindering pr- their progress, you know, because yes, they, yes. They, they, they feel like it limits... It you know maybe yeah. a, it, it it's a limiting view, uh, but yes, well, but I don't mm-hmm. I don't agree with them. I I I, I, I understand where Karen, they're coming from. Yeah. 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 Karen, the problem is that motherhood is, is the, um, the, um, the the most exploited um, um, role in our society. Mothers are the most exploited persons. They are exploited as women and they are exploited as mothers and children are often a cause for getting becoming poorer and poorer. So women reject motherhood, but they reject patriarchal motherhood. This is a patriarchal motherhood that women are so so over exploited. And we, but we are going. We are trying to find out a matriarchal motherhood, which is powerful and which is central, and so on. It's quite different. So I understand that why they reject a, it. They reject that the patriarchal a, exploitation of motherhood. This is right, but it, it's too much to to reject motherhood uh, in general. It's, it's impossible to reject it. It is always there. But to give motherhood this powerful role which and central role which it has in matriarchy, this is a change of the view, of the perspective. That, 
that is a splendid, splendid, splendid uh, point. Uh, and, and I love that you said that. And I will most definitely repeat it because, it, you know, it, when I try to explain this to people, because that is absolutely right. They, they uh, yeah, just as you said, I don't need to repeat it. But, but it's the, the different views of mother, mother under patriarchy, mother under matriarchy. And, of course, yes. they don't want to go back to that exploited uh, mother role under, yes. under patriarchy. Right. Yes, that yeah. I, I love how you said that. That excellent, excellent. Um, well, uh, and I'm I'm glad we you know we kind of fit that in at the end here because I think that's yeah. uh, you know was an important point. So, um, yeah. so again, Heidi, thank you so much, and uh, let's be sure yeah. we stay in touch. And if anything new yeah. uh, comes up for you that uh, you think listeners would like to know about, please let me know, and uh, yeah. I will um, you, be more than glad to mm-hmm. have you have you back on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, Karen. I really like, uh, love to be here, and thank you so much for this uh, interview and for your invitation to continue when, when I have some new thing. I think I have some new idea and want to discuss it and share it. Thank you so much, okay. Karen. Wonderful. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, have a good rest of your night. I hope you're able to go back to sleep. And, <laughs> yeah, I'll and, try, uh, I'll and, try and, my and, best. And, Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Good good night, Heidi. Goodbye. Good goodbye. Uh, oh, that was a wonderful conversation. I thank Heidi for her uh for her, her the generosity of her time and uh uh you know, what an incredible woman who has done so much uh, to educate the world uh, about something so misunderstood. But, you know, thanks to her and uh, so many other women like her, uh, you know, it, it feels like we are restoring the idea of matriarchy, um, you know, just as we have to um, rehabilitate um, some ideas or some words, you know, whether it be feminist, whether it be witch, whether it be progressive, whether it be liberal. I mean, there's so many different labels that we, um, uh, it feels like we have to uh, revitalize and um, give fresh new meaning to. I think matriarchy maybe is another one of those who uh, has suffered from uh, bad press and bad, uh, you know, and disinformation, shall we say. Um, but, you know, Heidi is a wonderful spokesperson um, so that we can get it right. Um, okay. Uh, well, uh, before we go any further, I have to hear from Joe Carson here. So uh, here's Joe talking about Dancing with Gaia. Uh, Okay, here we go. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or tree. And I came out of it. This is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course.
Well, you were listening to the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, which is Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. Uh, in it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of the goddess as Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. These spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. If you've always wanted to see these sites uh, for yourself but haven't, this is a great opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy the DVD and the booklet for only $20 at DancingWithGaia.com. That's DancingWithGaia.com. And thanks to Joe Carson uh, for her support of the show. And uh, thanks, uh, actually, to Celia. Uh, she was the artist uh, that opened uh, that we opened the show with tonight, and uh, you heard her cut, uh, Everyday Goddess. Uh, if you're looking to add some music to your uh, collection, I hope you'll give Celia uh, a look. Uh, she's got uh, an assortment of all sorts of uh, wonderful uh, styles of, uh, of music, from the funny to the spiritual um, uh, you know you can find uh you know find her music on the internet and uh, uh and and uh purchase it so uh that's celia in tonight's snippet was everyday goddess uh thanks also goes out to all my friends and fans uh, who made my birthday so wonderful this year i celebrated last week uh, thanks goes out to Jackie and Jenny, uh, to uh, Ava Park and the wonderful priestesses at the Goddess Temple, uh, to my wonderful husband Roy, to Melody Friend, and everyone else uh, you know, with their cards and well wishes. Uh, you are all truly gas in my tank. So thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, dear friends, for... Um, uh, you know, for making my birthday this year uh, one to remember. Thank you so much. So, um, as we come to a close tonight, uh, I would just like to remind you to check out my website, KarenTate.com. Uh, lots of free stuff there, downloadable meditations. There's uh, videos to uh, talks and classes. I hope you'll check out uh, all of the books on my website. Uh, it always helps authors when you buy the books directly from them uh, rather than going to Amazon if you can afford uh, a few extra dollars. Uh, you can find uh, you know, several of my books there at my website, uh, starting with my first one, which is Sacred Places of Goddess, uh, 108 Destinations. It speaks for itself, uh, whether you're an armchair traveler or you actually get out there. Um, I've condensed my travels into this book where you can learn about sacred sites of the Divine Feminine all around the world, even drive there. Uh, some are still living traditions today. Others are uh, historical. Uh, in fact, you can use the book to do a West Coast sacred pilgrimage uh, because the North American section, um, you know, we really covered uh, the West Coast of the United States uh, uh, quite well. Uh, but it's 108 destinations, so the sites are all around the world, and that's Sacred Places of Goddess. Uh, then the award-winning Walking in Ancient Pass um, is out there. Uh, it... Uh, um, 
Uh, it was a runner-up in the National Best Books Awards, and uh, it's a great book if you're looking to incorporate uh, goddess into your life or into your uh, community. Uh, it's divided into four sections, the uh, air section, which is about inspiration and connection with goddess, the fire section, which is about transformation and politics, uh, the water section, which is about um, our personal well-being and ritual, the earth section, I talk about um, some magical experiences uh, on, on many of the sacred journeys that I've been on. And the spirit section is about how a woman like myself who grew up in the Bible Belt uh, can turn out to be a goddess advocate and a priestess of Isis and Sekhmet. Um, then there's Goddess Calling, uh, offering inspirational readings about why Goddess is relevant today, helps us understand how Goddess teachings can be a moral compass, as well as meditations that encourage a deepening connection with the Great She. And of course, uh, the, the, the last uh, book uh, was the anthology that I curated based on the guests from this radio show, uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, Conversations to Reshape Our World. It's out there, too, and it's received acclaim because it shows what a big umbrella ideals of the sacred feminine actually are, with contributors like Noam Chomsky, Starhawk, Laura Flanders of Grit TV, uh, Rianne Eisler, Matthew Fox, Father Roy Bourgeois, Charles Eisenstein, Jean Schnodel of Bolin, and many, many more. So anyway, I hope you'll go to my website and check these out uh, to help me out and purchase a copy or two. And again, while you're there, don't miss the free stuff. Um, and if uh, you enjoy this kind of programming, Blog Talk is not free to host like myself, uh, and I would appreciate it if uh, you could use one of those PayPal buttons um, on uh, the Goddess Store page of my website and uh, mail in a contribution of any amount uh, to help pay for airtime uh, to keep Voices of the Sacred Feminine going. Because uh, remember, Goddess teaches us what you nurture and tend to survives and thrives and what you neglect withers. And um, I, as an incentive for contributions, I always do give uh, some free gifts. Uh, so, um, you know, you'd have some unique things coming your way if uh, uh, you can part with a bit of uh, your hard-earned cash uh, to support uh, my work and the radio show here of Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Well, um, that about does it for tonight. I'd just like to close uh, with the mottos for the show because I think they uh, reflect what we are living through in this paradigm shift. And uh, even though this comes from a 19th century German philosopher, author Schoenhauer, uh, it's still relevant today. He says, all truth passes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Second, it's violently opposed. And third, it is accepted for being self-evident. And the words attributed to Gandhi, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. 
Well, thank you, dear listeners. Um, I look forward to being with you uh, again next week. Uh, My guest will be Genevieve Vaughn. Our topic will be shifting the paradigm to the gift economy, a maternal alternative to capitalism. Uh, You know, we have to vision things and imagine things and cherry-pick the best ideas out there if we want to create that new normal we're all so hungry for, that new world so vital for all our futures. So thank you very much, and uh, that'll do it for tonight. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Don't let Mercury retrograde get you down. Remember, work with the energies. Don't work against it. Now's the time to marinate, contemplate, plan, and mull things over. Uh, Okie doke. Until next week, good night.